you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. to dread, nothing to fear. Lord, when I put my trust in you, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
this, this world is not our hope. We have a hope beyond this. We have a life beyond this. Let's worship God, folks. This isn't all there is. This isn't all we have to look forward to. In this world is darkness and misery and suffering and disappointment. But we're looking for a land, we're looking for a home that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, for this awesome hope that we have. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not looking for this place. We're looking to go home. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What a glorious hope we have, church. After all this is said and done, we're going home. And it occurred to me while we were singing that song, I'll fly away. There are people who have sung that song who have flown away. They've sung that song with hope and with joy and with expectation. And now they're there. We who are alive and remain, that's still a hope for us. That is our hope. Amen. I'm expecting it. I'm living my life as if that is the case. And I will not be disappointed. They were not disappointed. You will not be disappointed. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated for just a moment. Uh, I got this in the mail a little bit ago, uh, 40daysforlife.com. Um, if you want to go to their website, they, they have some, they have different things. It's a pro-life organization. Uh, they host uh, rallies, things like that. They give out information uh, to people uh, seeking an alternative. Um, if you're interested in, in doing anything like that, uh, definitely avail yourself of that, 40daysforlife.com. Uh, it's 40 daysforlife.com. Amen. Uh, it was brought up in our, our leadership meeting this morning, uh, and I, I kind of like the response that, you know, it, all of that's good. We need to get the message out there that, that God values life, and life begins at conception. That's the, that's the plan and will of God. That's what we read in Scripture. But at the end of the day, it's, it, you know, we can pass laws. We can, we can go to rallies and things like that, and nothing wrong with that. That's great. Uh, but at the end of the day, they need a change of heart. They need a new heart. They need a new mind. And that can only happen through the plan of salvation. And so, uh, if we really want to affect change in, our, in our, our world, our cities, our workplace, our schools, whatever it may be, uh, the real change is affected by one, one by one, getting people to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and allowing them to respond to that. And let God work in their lives as He's working in ours. Amen. So, um, <clears throat> my message this morning is uh, going to fit remarkably well with everything else that's been going on. Uh, Brother DeMuth uh, mentioned a lot of it during his message. The, the songs really go with this. So, I feel like I have a, I have a word from the Lord today. Exodus chapter 1. Verses 11 through 14, we've preached on this before. We've made mention of this before. Uh, we'll read it again. Exodus 1, verses 11 through 14 says, Therefore they did set the, over them taskmasters, speaking of the children of Israel in the land of Egypt, 
Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All, all their service wherein they made them to serve was with vigor. Amen. And we'll preach for a few minutes, uh, as the Lord wills, on this topic, a better perspective. A better perspective. And if we can pray one more time and ask the Lord uh, to have His way here today. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for Your so great faithfulness and for the visitation that we have experienced thus far of the Holy Ghost. You are here of a surety. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would establish dominion in this place right now. That this would be turned over to You. This is Your service. We are Your people. We seek Your face, Your word, Your will here today. And above all else, that Your name would be glorified in our midst. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated, those that are not. Amen. I think I've read this before. It's, uh, it probably wasn't actually published, according to people who <clears throat> are uh, more educated on these things than I am. But uh, it's still an intriguing ad. <clears throat> this is supposedly an ad that Ernest Shackleton published in the newspapers in England when he was looking for people to go on his, uh, his expedition to the South Pole on the USS Endurance, happily named. The ad goes like this. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Ernest Shackleton. I have to imagine that if an ad were published like this for a job opening today or uh, needing some help on the farm or whatever it might be, uh, you wouldn't get too many takers on that. There's just not a lot of people interested in in (laughs) anything like that uh, much today. But today I want to make us aware of two things that are coming down the pike, spiritually speaking. And they're going to happen whether we want them to or not. These two things are revival and tribulation. They're both going to take place. They both have to take place. But what are we ready for? What are we prepared for at this moment? What do we have faith to receive right now? I've got to say, the bulk of the messages that I hear, uh, the bulk of the teaching that I'm exposed to, is revival and blessing. Who doesn't want to be blessed? We all want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. That's one of the promises that we have in in Scripture. If you obey me, you keep my commandments, you put me first in all things. In blessing I will bless you. I bless the fruit of your womb, bless the fruit of your your field and your, your store and all of that. Blessing, 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 if I serve Him. So, we can't expect that. But, tribulation 
is what we need to be prepared for. Tribulation is what's coming to the church. I don't know in what form it's going to take. I don't know how it's going to manifest itself. And typically when I hear the word tribulation, I go all the way down with it. I'm thinking I'm going to be, I'm going to have my feet in the stocks and they're going to be putting hot coals on it. They're going to be torturing my children in front of me. Those kinds of things. But it may manifest itself differently. We've got to understand that revival always comes through prayer, right? We know that to be true. That answer might manifest itself, however, through tribulation. Through tribulation. Now, one of these are scriptural. One of them is not. We can't always expect the blessing. We're not serving Jesus Christ for the loaves and the fishes. I hope that we're not. We're serving Him because of what He's done for us. Because He is the one that suffered on a cross and died for us. Because He is now our King, our Lord, our God. By covenant terms, we have signed over our rights. We have signed over everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are His possession now. So whatever He tells us, However, He wants to direct us, that's how it is. And if that road leads through tribulation, so be it. If that road leads through blessing, praise God, so be it. We'll submit to that too. But tribulation is coming, and we have got to be ready for it. In the church in the United States, in most of the Western societies, most of the Western nations, we have no idea what tribulation really is. We have no idea what suffering or sacrifice or cost really is. And I fear, I really fear that when it comes here, and it's going to come, I don't know when. It may come tomorrow. God may give us another hundred years here. I don't know. There, I've, I've been looking at some some histories uh, of the United States, of England, of other countries, right before these great revivals. And they were in the pit of hell. They were in, they were just horrible. Spiritually dead. People were reporting, this is the death of Christianity. There, there's no way the church is going to recover from this. And then all of a sudden, another year later, the churches are full. God is moving. Everyone is, hearts are turned toward God again. So God, can He do that here again? Yes, He can. And we're praying for that desperately. I want God to see, uh, I want to see revival come here through repentance. Through repentance, through humbling ourselves before God. That's how I want to see it come. It's come like that before. He can do it again. But as Bishop preached just a little bit ago, there's coming a time where God is going to weary of our repentance. And that's not just for individuals. That's for nations as well. And there's coming a time, church, I don't know when it is. I'm going to pray as if it's not here yet. I'm going to believe as if it's not here yet. But if it is here, and if it's too late for us, if we've done too much, then tribulation is coming. And we've got to be ready for it. We've got to be ready for it. 
Scripture as well as history teaches us that we receive these great things from God, sometimes with great cost. There's always a price to be paid, church, and someone is always having to pay it. If we look at every revival, the revivals are great. The moves of God are awesome. What God does in these awakenings is amazing. But when you dig a little bit deeper, you realize that some of the personal cost is very high. It's very high. And if we look even as recently as the Azusa Street revivals and the beginnings of our movement, we see that uh, God does miracles through these, these old preachers. But some of the stuff that they went through, some of the stuff they endured is not hard, it's not easy, and it's not pretty. No, they weren't tied to a stocks and burned. They weren't killed, but they were beat up. Their houses were destroyed, set on fire. Their families were threatened. They were run out of town. Some of them were tarred and feathered. Why? Because God gave them a burden for a city. And they were proclaiming truth in that city, no matter the cost. And so at some point, we have got to understand in our hearts and in our minds, we don't live for the loaves and fishes. If God gives us the blessing, I'm going to receive it. Absolutely. And so are you. We're going to receive every good thing from God He wants to give. But can we receive good at His hand and not receive evil also? I think I heard that somewhere once. Oh yeah, it's in the Bible. Job. Job's pretty qualified to to speak about this. If we look all the way back through church history, (laughs) it wouldn't make a very good Disney movie. Certainly not today. Even back in the day. It wouldn't be rated G. Not PG. It'd be rated R. Violence. Gore. The history of the church, as it has advanced, as it has prospered, as it has grown, is not one of ease, but one of hardship. One of persecution. We just read in our scripture text. The more they were afflicted, the more they grew. If we look at the first century church, we want to be like the first century church, right? We want to be apostolic, right? Well, part of that is living in a time of persecution. Tribulation. That's part of being apostolic. And I don't know, I, yeah, I suppose I can. Don't get ahead of me, Brother Demuth. I got that in here. <laughs> you guys. All right. <laughs> Even in the first century church, it was a time of persecution, suffering. Saul. Persecuted the church, threw them in prison, killed them, separated families, 
destroyed businesses, livelihoods, doing what they could to crush this early church. And they grew, they multiplied. Like Brother DeMuth said, you know, you step on the flaming gas. That's exactly what happened. They scattered. And everywhere they went, they brought the gospel with them. The church grew greatly. The word of God met was, was multiplied greatly. Until the enemy got smart. This isn't working. Let's try the opposite approach. So it became the state religion. And it was accepted. In fact, it was mandatory. Everybody now was a Christian. Everybody had to be a Christian. They prospered. They multiplied. They became rich and wealthy and influential in government. And what happened after that? That's when the church was destroyed. That's when the church was thrown into false doctrine, error, evil. Revival comes most powerfully through times of persecution. The church grows most rapidly through times of intense persecution. We need to pray. We always need to pray. But sometimes that prayer is answered by persecution. I, I heard this statistic. I don't know how recent this is. But uh, in the world today, every five minutes, there's a Christian killed for their faith. Every five minutes, a Christian around the world is being killed for their faith. Think about that. The best we can hope to accomplish here today is to try to try to get some kind of intellectual understanding of the plight and sufferings of, of our brothers and sisters around the world who are truly facing persecution and suffering. We can't relate. I think someday we're going to relate. But right now, the way we were raised, the, the way our, our culture, our society is, our lives, we just can't relate to constant violence, to constant threat of violence against me personally. I feel very safe here. I go home and I lock the door and I feel very safe there. But there are places in the world that you're never safe. You never feel safe. Let's talk about Iran for a moment. Nothing specific, just general statistics. Iran today, according to what I'm reading here, Iran and the surrounding areas, that's the fastest growing church in the world today. Well, how is that even possible? Christianity is illegal there. It's illegal there. If you're a Christian, you can die there. Every time someone says yes to Jesus in Iran, they're signing their own death warrant. They're saying yes with the understanding... That my days are numbered. At some, at any time, they can come through the door and, and run me through. Chop my head off. Take me away and I'm never coming back. Just for saying yes 
to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lots of conversions are happening in Iran through dreams and visions of Jesus Christ. He's... If people can't get in there, he'll get in there. He's revealing himself personally to people. And he's sending them to people like he did with, with Saul at the road to Damascus. Jesus revealed himself to Saul personally. But he didn't give him the plan of salvation there. He sent him to someone who would. And that's what these visions are doing. It's so incredible. It's so, it's, it's so book of hacks. And it's happening today. It's happening right now in this world today. After their conversion, you've got to realize, these people that, that, that grow up in Iran, they hate the Jews. They're growing up. They learn that. The Jews are dogs. They're mongrels. They're, they're not people. We hate them. We hate Israel. Death to Israel. That's how they're raised. But every, every, every single conversion that takes place always results in a, a complete 180 on that. They have an intense love for Israel now and for the Jewish people. Who but God can do that? And the people over there, the leaders in the churches over there, their prayer is not that persecution would end. Their prayer specifically is that persecution would continue so that God's church would grow here. Can we in good conscience pray that ourselves? That God would send persecution here. That He would run us out of town. That we would be beaten. Thrown in prison. So that God's church can grow. I don't want you to answer that. You answer it in a prayer closet somewhere with you and God. I had to struggle with this. And I'm ashamed to say when God asked me that, I was like, I don't know. I know what the right answer is. I know what I'm supposed to say here. I know where my heart's supposed to be. But can I tell God, can I tell the Holy Ghost that in good conscience and mean it? I had to work through that. I really did. They don't want us praying for an end to persecution, but that they would remain strong in the midst of it so that Jesus would continue to move and work through them as He is. They don't want that to stop. They don't want anything to get in the way of that. How about China? We all, we all have heard thing, great things about China. They're suffering the most intense persecution they've experienced in 40 years. And they've experienced persecution the whole 40 years. Elders in the, in the church state that persecution is a blessing. And they see it as a blessing for two reasons. One, it's, it's the vehicle through which God gives revival and church growth. People are coming to, to the Lord by droves in China through, re, through persecution, through hardship. 
The other reason they like it is because it purifies the church and keeps it pure. Alright, so what do they mean by that? What do they mean by a pure church? Everyone looks the part. Everyone smells nice. Everyone says the right things. No, that's not what they mean. There are some people in our churches today that would be better off just walking out the door. And I I say that with sorrow. I don't say that lightly. I'm not being flippant when I say that. But because of the choices they've made here, they're not really here. They're in service for whatever reason. But they're not here for, for God's purpose. They have no intention of serving God. Maybe they want to look the part. Maybe they're here for business reasons. I don't know what the reason is. But some people would be better off outside the church doors. And persecution is going to root those people out. I've said this once before. Right now we've got kind of a homogenous group of people in our churches. We've got people that are on fire, truly want to serve God with all their heart. We've got the, the cold and backslidden in spirit, but they're still on a pew. And we've got everything in between. Every flavor, every, every texture, whatever you want to call it. But when persecution comes, there's only two flavors. I'm all in or I'm all out. That's the only people that are going to be in church at that point. Are those that have given their lives, who are willing to die for their faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only people that are going to be left. And if you're not willing to do that, folks, you need to get on your knees and you need to sort that out with God. You need to make up your mind now while the, green is, the tree is still green. Because when the tree is dry, you're not going to be able to make that choice. It's going to be a hard choice to make. It's a hard choice to make now. So make it now while you've got the time, while you can pray about it, sort everything out. When persecution comes, that's not the time to make up your mind then. Then it's too late. Then you're going to need to give an answer right now. Or else. Whatever that or else is. You go to prison. You get a fine. You get tortured. You get killed. The elders in the the Chinese church state that Uh, They believe the real church killers are prosperity, ease, comfort. Those are the things they want to avoid like the plague. In 1949, in China, there were an estimated one million Christians in China. And the new communist regime, headed by Mao Zedong, sought to stamp them out. One of their big goals was to kill off the church of God in China. There were one million Christians. Today, despite all of their efforts, despite their concentrated efforts against the church, there are over 80 million Christians there conservative. And that might be up as high as 100 million Christians. But on the conservative side, 80 times what there was in 1949. And that's after the government's focus on stamping them out. How about that? 
Not only did they fail miserably, but they multiplied 80 times. Well, how is church being operated over there? One might wonder. They spend hours, long hours, in prayer for their country. They endure continual persecution. In one church, they all wake up at 4.30 in the morning to come together for two hours to pray and worship. They do this every single day. This church meets in the only place that they feel safe, the back end of a cave. That's where they meet for service. In Shanghai alone, there are over 3,000 house churches led mostly by young people. When one missionary asked, they all believed that a four-hour sermon is too short. That's too short. How can you get everything in in four hours? In one service they had filmed, it was 120 degrees inside, and they were there for 12 hours straight. These are people who have a different perspective. They have a different mindset than the church in the United States has. One missionary visited a remote village in China and was asked to preach. He said, yeah, I'd be glad to. How long do you want me to preach? They asked him, well, if it's all right with you, 8.30 to 7 would be fine. And if it's not too much trouble, if you could preach tomorrow, 8.30 from 7. And if it's not too much trouble, could you preach the next day from 8.30 to 7? He asked, well, when should I take a break? He said, oh, don't worry. You can break whenever you want. The people will wait for you. In other words, they're not breaking. What should I preach on? He asked them. Everything. Everything, they said. Everything from Genesis to Revelation. Preach on all of it. And it was at that point he realized that no one in the village had a Bible. They had heard this message from someone. Someone came through and told them about Jesus. And that was all they needed. They were hooked. They wanted everything they could get. So when this missionary came through, they wanted everything that they could get out of him. And it didn't matter how long it took. And it didn't matter what the temperature was. And it didn't matter the discomfort that they were going to experience at the time. There was something higher. They had a higher purpose. They had a, something they desired so much more than comfort and ease. They wanted the Word of God. In Nigeria. Nigerian Christians are going on 20 years of genocide. On September 29, 2014, there was a man, he was attacked for his faith, and this story is related by his son, and I quote, 
Around 10, I got a call that they have killed my dad. They asked him to deny Christ, and when he refused, they cut his right hand off. Then he refused again, and they cut his arm off at the elbow. He refused again, and they sawed him in the head, the neck, and the chest. Surely God would understand. Surely God would understand being placed in a horrible circumstance like that. I'll just deny him, but I won't mean it. I'll just tell them what they want to hear. I promise you, it's going to run through some of our minds. Don't go, don't go there. Don't give the enemy anything. We cannot deny our Lord and Savior. Not in any circumstance. I don't know any more than you guys know what I would do in that circumstance. I've never been there. I could I could be tough and, and talk tough and tell you about all the, the bravery I have. and i just sing hymns in their face until they cut my head off. And, and whatever. Maybe. I hope. I pray. I don't know for sure. My prayer is that in that day I will glorify Jesus Christ with my death as I have tried to do in my life. And these are just a few examples. These are a few examples that when I when I heard these people talking, when I read the reports, I still can't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying. There are people in this world. And I, you know, there's always, in any activity, there's always people smarter. There's always people better at something than you are. Stronger, faster. Whatever it is you think you're good at, there's always some someone better in the world. And I know there are people in the world that are more spiritual than I am. They're, they're hungrier for God than I am. There's a lot of people out there, but... And I see this, I, I just, I didn't realize the gap was so big. You know? I didn't realize there was such a wide gap between where I am and where they are. And these brothers and sisters of mine are absolutely shaming me in a good way. It's not condemnation, it's conviction. I am convicted this morning. In the United States, church, we have a long ways to go. And when persecution does come, there are going to be those that exit stage right because they were tares. They were never wheat. And we weep for them and we feel bad. There's, there's not more we can do for them. But it's their choice, just like it's your choice, just like it's my choice. All we can do is present it. That's it. 
They have to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Matthew 5, 10 and 11 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. We talked about the blessings of the Lord. Here's a blessing of the Lord. Who wants theirs first? Who wants this blessing? It is a blessing. If we can look at it from another perspective. If we can see it from a spiritual mindset. We begin to understand that everything is backwards in the kingdom of God. Everything. If I want to save my life, I've got to lose it. If I want to be first, I've got to be last. If I want to be blessed, that comes through persecution. First Peter 4.13 and 14 says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part He is evil spoken of, but on your part He is glorified. Here's one of the few places we see the word happy. Maybe God does want us to be happy. But how do we be happy? Be reproached for the name of Christ. That's the happiness God wants. Now folks, please understand, I'm not trying to scare or threaten or anything like that. Uh, That is certainly not the intention here. The intention is to warn. The intention is to prepare. To get ready for something that God is screaming is coming. I pray it doesn't come in our lifetime. But if it does, we've got to be ready. John 15, 18-20 says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. And 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. God may yet forgive this nation. He most certainly can, and I pray He does. I pray we have another chance. Another great awakening. Another revival that sweeps over this nation. I want that more than anything else. But if not, He's going to bring to pass all the words He's spoken against any nation that chooses to forsake Him. Mark me. He will do it. His word has gone forth. 
He's pronounced judgment against every nation that chooses to forsake Him. This nation has forsaken Him. And if He'll give us a space to repent, church, we've got to repent. We've got to humble ourselves before a holy and a righteous God. But if He tells us like He told Jeremiah, stop praying for these people. I'm done with it. It's too late. Then what we've got to pray for is the souls of those who would be heirs of salvation. Because even in the midst of that, God's mercy is still going out. And it's going to go out through you and through me. God is going to demonstrate Himself mightily in the midst of persecution. But we've got to look at it properly. We've got to have the right perspective on this. It's a time of revival. It's a time of church growth. It's a time of fantastic signs and wonders. It's a time of personal growth. And we're going to get closer to God than we ever thought we we could. We're going to learn more about Him than we ever thought we could. But it's going to come at a cost, church. It's not going to come free. And it won't be easy. If we'll look at it in the right perspective, though, if we look at it through spiritual eyes, if we look at it through the Lord's eyes, let me say this too. I don't believe it always has to come through persecution. It doesn't always have to. I think in every single case it has. There may be an exception there. I'm not privy to all of history. (laughs) Everything that's happened. But scripturally, if we'll just do right, if we'll keep Him first, if we'll follow His plan all the time, I think revival can come. And that would be the cost. Personal discipline. Personal sacrifice, setting time aside, a significant time aside to pray and to study and to witness to others, to minister. But typically, human nature precludes that. And the Lord has to cajole us and nudge us and kind of corral us to where He needs us to go. And that typically happens through persecution. Persecution wakes us up. It shocks us. It's like a bucket of cold water in the morning. It gets us focused on the right things. I'm not focused on sleep anymore. Now my bed's all soggy and cold. And I'm soggy and cold. I don't want to be here anymore. Fantastic. May as well get up then. God will get His church where He needs it to be. He will. And when He does, He's going to start working in it and through it mightily. Things we can't possibly imagine. Again, I pray that we have another, I pray we have another chance. 
as a nation. But if not, we need to be ready for persecution and all the good that that entails. Let's all stand. Right now, as far as we can tell, God has not closed the door on this nation. There's still a space left for repentance. But as Scripture teaches us, it begins first at the house of God. Judgment first begins at the house of God. Repentance needs to start at the house of God. So as we come front, if everyone could come forward, please. I want us to pray for two things today. I want us to pray for a renewed burden for this country. This country is worth saving. This country is still the best place in the world to live. I believe that with all my heart. Despite its many failings, its many shortcomings, I'm not whitewashing any of that. We have a lot of them today. But it's still the greatest nation on earth as far as I'm concerned. It really is. And I believe God loves this nation and I believe God loves the people in it. He wants revival here. He wants this nation revived in the midst of the years. He wants this nation to turn again to the Lord its God. That starts here. That starts here. The other thing I want us to do is to make sure that we can answer that question correctly. The question being, can I pray for persecution? Can I pray for more persecution to see the church of God advance, to see the will of God move forward? Can I pray that? We all know what the right answer is. We all know what the biblical answer is. But can I stand before the throne of God? Can I stand and look Jesus in the eye and tell Him, yes, I would pray that prayer and mean it and not be lying, not be in a state of self-deception? That's tough. That's heavy. Brother Demuth said several times we've got to take this seriously. I was like, yeah, we do. We've got to take this seriously. This isn't, this isn't just life and death. This isn't just being thrown in prison or having my head chopped off. This is everlasting life or everlasting death. It's not a one-time event. My head gets chopped off and that's it.
blindsided with it. I've never heard this before. I don't understand what's going on. How could this be happening to us? That's not the right response to have. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord God, we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you for this great nation. I love the United States of America. It is the country that you placed me in. It was the country that I was born in. I love this country. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you. I thank you that I am a citizen of this country. I am thankful for every blessing, every benefit I receive for being a citizen of this country. But, Lord God, we have forsaken you. We have forsaken you, the Lord our God, and we have walked after other gods. We have walked after other philosophies, other worldviews that cannot save, that cannot deliver, that cannot provide. We have, if you will, built ourselves idols, dumb idols who cannot speak, who cannot hear, and we have served them, and we have bowed ourselves down to them. Lord Jesus Christ, we have done wrong. We have erred greatly. We have forsaken the Lord our God in this country. We have sinned before you grievously, heinously. I pray, O God, we humble ourselves before you now in humble repentance. We repent for the sins of this nation, and they are many. They are so many. 
Forgive, I pray, the iniquities of this country. Forgive, I pray, the transgressions of this nation. Send revival. Revive this nation. We once served you. Our hearts, generally speaking, were toward you. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't want just generally speaking. I want truly, in the heart of hearts of this nation, that we would be a God-fearing nation. That we would be a nation who serves the Lord its God. Who humbles ourselves daily before its God. Who serves you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength as a nation, as states, as cities, as, as families, as individuals. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, that you would sit upon the throne of the United States, that you would rule in this country with a rod of iron, that your kingdom would be established here, that your will would be done here in the United States as it is in heaven. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I pray also, Lord Jesus, for each individual here, those whose hearts and minds are, are perfect toward you, who have a hunger and a thirst to serve you, who desire to serve you with their lives, to move forward with you. For these individuals, I pray, Lord Jesus, I intercede, I stand in the gap for them. We need to answer this question. We need to answer this question in our hearts, in our heart of hearts before you. Can we serve you in persecution? Can we feel blessed? And can we rejoice because of persecution? Can you give us a different perspective this morning? Can you give us a different way of looking at these things? benefit most the kingdom of God are the things that we abhor, the things that we run from. Help us to see things from a different perspective today, I pray. If persecution doesn't come in this generation, it will come in the next. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would be ready, that they would not be blindsided by the enemy by the judgment of God in this country. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray, to seek your face daily. Help us to get a hunger and a thirst for holiness and for righteousness. Help us to get a hunger and a thirst for prayer, for the presence of God, for the Word of God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to esteem this more than our necessary food. Lord Jesus, to esteem the presence of God more precious than anything else I could spend my time on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray for your people this morning. They are an exceeding good and precious people. They are a people purchased with your holy and precious blood. They are your sons and your daughters. 
Lord. I pray a blessing upon them now. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your hand would be upon them for good. That you would bless them, that you would continue to bless them in the right ways, in spiritual ways. Help us as much as possible to learn to endure blessing and to rejoice in persecution. That is the perspective of our God. That is the perspective we see in Scripture. That we endure blessing and rejoice in persecution. Help us to get to that place, Lord Jesus. Help us to get to that place, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. military uh, I think all of us understand though that when you sign on with the United States government for three years four years six years whatever it is uh, you are considered the property now of the United States government GI is general issue yeah government issue and uh, even when I was in I don't know if it's still the case but if I came back with a with a sunburn, that was punishable under Article 15, destruction of government property. And they were dead serious about that. I laughed when I first heard about that. But then a friend of mine got one. I wasn't laughing anymore. When we sign up to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to have the same mindset. We are not our own anymore. I know we have a lot of freedoms. I know the Lord gives us a lot of liberties to use our finances, to use our time in a manner that we prescribe. And I'm thankful for that. But at any time, He can shut all that down and be perfectly just and perfectly right in doing so. And He can tell me how to spend every minute of the day and he can tell me how to spend every dollar that I have in the account. He can withdraw all of it. <clears throat> and so while I'm thankful and I, I enjoy the liberties that God gives us, 
need to realize those are liberties. I, 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 don't, I don't deserve them in the, in the idea that uh, they're not mine by, by right. <clears throat> he owes me. He owes me this because I've done this for him. That's crazy talk. So, we don't. We owe God everything. He doesn't owe us anything. He didn't have to save us. He didn't owe us that either, but he did. <clears throat> so whatever comes down the pike, I pray it. I pray it's a great awakening. I pray it's a revival of holiness and, and godliness. I pray that with all my heart. But if not, folks, we have got to be ready. We have got to be ready to minister. We have got to be ready to advance the kingdom of God in times of persecution as well as in times of blessing. That is not ours to choose. What times and what place that we find ourselves in. That's the Lord's business. That's His doing. Our responsibility is to work according to His will whatever times we're in, whatever place we're in, and do it effectually. For His glory. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray in closing. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for a relationship with You. Thank You, Jesus, for loving me when I was unlovable. Thank You for saving me when I was a far ways off. Help us to serve You in fullness. Help us to give You everything. And not just with lip service but in our heart of hearts. Sign everything we have over to You. Sign all that we are over to You. To be used of You. To wait upon You. To minister in Your name. I pray, Lord, again, a blessing upon the people of God here today, those joining us online. A blessing upon any visitors we have. Walk with us. Help us to walk with You. To follow after You. Bring us back to the house of God, hungry, expecting. And these things we ask in Jesus' name.